Hello, and welcome to Triple B. Today we are discussing The Vanishing Game by Kate K. Myers. And making some suffering spheres. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. <laughs> I'm Katie Futrell. I'm Jenny Lynn. We, we are, are the, the Book Bunch, Bunch and, and we're doing brunch. So we have a our usual spoilers. Um, we're talking about this book. We're not going to hide anything that happens. Um, so if it does intrigue you at any point, go ahead, stop listening, read it, come back. Um, and some trigger warnings. We are a swearing there. bunch. We talk adult <laughs> language, adult situations. We did, yeah, we don't shy away from from any of that. So if that's not your thing. And this book has a lot of possible triggers. Uh, if you've had trauma yourself, this book is full of it. Um, some possible things might be there's a car accident, there's childhood abuse, death of a loved one, um, some physical altercations with a knife, self-harm, bullying, drug use, including marijuana and cocaine. Rape, I got the impression of. It's not really explicit. Uh, some PTSD and a fire. Any that I missed? This book is stuffed with... <laughs> things that could potentially that is a, a pretty substantial list. what what a way to start season three of this podcast oh god yes <laughs> welcome to season three by the way <laughs> that's right i was looking at my phone yes i was looking at old pictures of percy actually and i came across the first logo that you did for this <laughs> and it was august of 2020 so we have almost been doing this for for three years which oh. Kind of the son of a bitch, I'll tell you. It doesn't feel like it's been I know that long. But I mean, if anything for us good came out of COVID, like I'll take it. <laughs> it was. It was getting this started and, and figuring out the different things that we wanted to do with it. And now I get to see you like every month. Every month and talk about what this oof, I'm trying not to laugh because all of those things that you listed are very serious triggers, but this book in itself is kind of ridiculous and it makes me <laughs> a little bit makes me laugh a little bit but yes this book is stuffed with um, potential things yeah um that could bother you but it is done in kind of a ridiculous way. if you like <laughs> kind of like that movie we watched um where it's just like dark horror but it's just like kind of ridiculously like there's some horrific stuff that happens in it but it's told in such a way where at least for us, it was so ridiculous. It like was, you know, it, it eased. Like I didn't, I wasn't getting like horror vibes myself. I wasn't getting like Stephen King go hide under my bed kind of stuff. For me, it was a little bit ridiculous. And of course, I'm a bit primed to trauma as a treater of it. So I think right. that, that also numbs me to it, and I can I can remove myself a little. Sure, and I would say this is a young adult book. So while all of these themes are and situations are touched on there are only a few that really go deeply into it i would say mm-hmm. that's how i would explain it so yeah a lot a lot going on well, this season we are we're changing up a little bit we're trying to make this a little better every time so we're gonna start by giving you guys a little like tabletop teaser a little enticer to see if 
you would like the book so you can pause it if you want to and make a little more so you kind of understand what we're talking about a little bit better and we'll do a better summary a little bit later after we have some conversation tabletop teaser tabletop teaser so it's a pretty standard kind of sounding especially when you read all the different things that we talked about and all all of the different plot points that come up it's pretty standard it's two teenage two teenager twins one so we have jocelyn and we have jack and jack has passed away in a car accident and jocelyn starts to receive letters that she believes only can be from him because he's using a coded name some inside knowledge yeah yeah uh, that only Jack would use. So if it was someone who is impersonating or something going on, it would be very strange for them to be using this code name and these different ways of, of communicating. It's like the big question, is he is he really dead? And if he is, why is he has doing it this like way? Two weeks after he passed away? I believe that's correct. And Seal House is the foster house, which is kind of a horror, almost set up kind of feel. Yeah. Um, very creepy. A lot of bad things have happened there. So a lot of the clues are leading them back to trauma <laughs> and everything that happened there. And that sounds like something that would interest you again, kind of standard, like, oh, is this person really dead? Uh, that kind of comes up a lot in different stories. But if that's interesting to you, take a break here and uh, go read the book. It won't take you very long to read. <laughs> Which brings us to our next segment, cover consumption. We like to talk about book covers. We're big fans. Big fan of, of, of book covers. This, it appears that, I'm assuming this is what's I think on the cover. House. It's Steel House. I assume it's Steel House. So we got a nice, very green toned. This is a monochromatic cover. We have the Steel House in the nighttime and Steel House in kind of the daytime with a reflective Thing going on <laughs> and they definitely have a nice like allusion to the twister with two people in the one window and the reflection only has one which you know once you get to the end you're like oh that's what that meant it does <laughs> make sense uh, we'll get into the twist i guess pretty soon we'll probably get into the twist but it is very clever to have the two I guess our two main protagonists, Jocelyn and her other childhood friend, Noah. I'm oh, assuming I figured our... this was the twins. Oh, I guess that I would the be reflection is just the one. Just the one. Well, see, I was kind of thinking, and I'm certainly not saying that all boys need to have short hair, but I was thinking that this was... Because you remember she had her Because it looked haircut. like this was... Oh, that's true, too. I guess she did... Jocelyn had her hair cut short, isn't it? Although I suppose that could be, could be Jack, Jack and the other two are... are it could be Jocelyn and Noah, or maybe you're right. Maybe I guess it wouldn't make a lot of sense for it to be Jocelyn and Jack, and then just Jack. Wouldn't it make more sense if it was just Jocelyn and then it was Jocelyn and Jack? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I thought it was Noah and Jocelyn. When I look closer, that makes <laughs> it looks yeah. But like at first glance, when I was looking at it, I was like. Oh, interesting. Like, she thinks there's two of them, but there's really only one in the reflection. Okay. So, if it wasn't, dear cover editors, notes. <laughs> so, a lot of different ways to interpret this already. It did strike me as a very, you know, when you just pick it up, it's kind of like a horror vibe. Like, those stupid, campy ghost hunter shows, whenever they do, oh, yeah. like, things, they have that green tone. 
you know, when they try to make things scary, when or it's nighttime. When they have that nocturnal vision and it's mm-hmm. all green. And it's all green. Yeah. It reminded me of that. So I really thought we it was going to be a horror. And there are elements that definitely feel that way, but that is not yeah. the overall. There is so <laughs> much going on in this book. So what do we think? Do we like the... I feel like the cover brought out actually a couple more questions than I mean, answers. I think it's a, a pretty decent cover. It's definitely that kind of pulp fiction cover, right? Mass production kind of thing. Um, yeah. Which I'm not opposed to. Like it's, it's, it advertises, I think pretty accurately what you're going to get. Like, right. We got this, mm-hmm. it's kind of made to be mass produced, easy consumed. Um, you get a pretty distinct, like, yep, this is definitely like in the horror genre. There's a mystery. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely an accurate, I'll have my, my usual critiques of I. I always want, like, a straight-up, like, brand-new painted-for-the-book kind of vibe. And, of course, you know, this one has the stock images. So maybe by doing this podcast for years and years, eventually editors will listen to me and go, hmm, maybe we should paint covers again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but overall, an in, in, in effective cover. It is a nice, solid, soft-bound book. It, mm-hmm. it felt good to, to hold and, and read. It wasn't, like, one of the... The can, like, paperback. So. I don't know. Look at my binding. <laughs> already. It's already. It's already struggling. Well. But I mean, it's, it's not, these books are not made to last. They're not supposed to. Right. But overall, an effective cover. Yeah. Uh, does not really lend itself to all of the nonsense that happens, I would say. No. no. Definitely not. Before we get into all the nonsense, Futrell has some... Some food draw facts for us. Some facts, yeah. I think it is important, especially with this one, again, because it does get kind of ridiculous, and many things on this made me laugh, and (laughs) um, take it not as seriously as, in real life, these are all very serious things that are happening, so I wanted to give it a little bit of credit. And also, I always like to look into the, the author a little bit and try to get some get a feel as to maybe why they chose to write this book, but there's not much out there on uh, Kate K. Myers, but I found a couple things. So this book, uh, The Vanishing Game is one of three of hers. Um, and I always say, cause I feel like I might be a little hard on this book as is my nature. I'm pretty critical of books that I read, but as an aspiring author, she has three more books published than I do, so she's far more successful. <laughs> um, so even though it might sound like I'm coming down hard on it, good for Kate K. Myers. <laughs> she has three published books. And to be fair, the more that you have to critique, that means there's something there, whereas those books that you read and you're just like, eh. This is very true. There's a lot to talk about. This book was published in 2012, which I think is good context as well, because there's a little bit of old tech alert here. There's certain situations where it'd be easier to, to look something up on a phone or mm-hmm. um, especially when they're doing Internet research and things like that. A good they, old library. They, they visit the library several times in the book, which you should be doing anyway. But uh, 2012, that's kind of why I think. They even refer to, like, flipping open the phone. So I think we're still in flip flip phones. So always good to know. It seems like it's taking place in in 2012 when it was published. Um, Two other books. She has Inherit Midnight and The Hidden Room. They kind of sound similar 
genre as to this, where it's a pretty standard kind of thing that you've heard before, like a missing person or a competition between a lot of teenagers, almost like Hunger Game vibes, but taken almost to a much more ridiculous yes. level. So if that's your thing, she's got two other two others out there. Um, when I was researching her, I found out she's uh, fluent in sign language. She was a oh, teacher nice. in um, elementary school. I still school. want to learn that. Mm-hmm. We learned it in fifth grade. Yeah. And I still want to go back and learn more. So it does sound like she has a lot of experience working with kids. It does sound like it was elementary school, so slightly younger. But some of the kids in the book are, are younger um, yeah. when they're doing flashbacks. For the Which means she may have seen some of that type of It's true. And I'm sure she probably did. I'm not sure you can work with kids and not ever see trauma. No. She currently lives in, in Idaho with, with her husband. I've never been to Idaho, but... There's more context there. I did, when I was trying to research her, Audible tried to, it was like, oh, go to kmyers.com. So I was like, oh, I bet she has more stuff there. And I visited there. It's like a Chinese website that seemed to be, I tried to translate one part of it. It seems almost like a wedding website for wedding photography. Um, So I don't know what happened to kmyers.com. Someone else bought it out. Someone bought it out. And then... The last fact I'm going to throw over to you kind of along this theme of taking things a little bit seriously before we get into the ridiculousness is that multiple personality disorder or I forget how exactly they phrase it in the book, internalizing someone else's personality. They gave it a whole new is a real thing. (laughs) And I want to make that clear before we go much further. As a mental health professional, I was wondering if you had any context um, that you could set up about multiple personalities. So multiple personality disorder first came into the current diagnostical uh, framework uh, with the DSM-3 when it was, I believe then it was called multiple personality disorder. That doesn't mean that's the first time it existed. Uh, It's just the first time it was part of our diagnostic nomenclature. Today, it's called dissociative identity disorder, and it's part of a class of diagnostics in which you dissociate. So dissociation is basically whenever you like do stuff and you don't remember it in everyday life, this can happen to, like, if you're like on autopilot and you're driving, mm-hmm. you're kind of technically dissociating, right? When you're just like, oh, how did I, how did I get here, right? We didn't remember, we weren't in our body. And then it becomes diagnostic when it's a problem for people and mm-hmm. associative identity disorder is also typically a trauma diagnosis uh, people tend to if they develop another personality it's typically due to a trauma it's a protective thing that your brain does to help you i've never personally treated it or seen it myself it's not a very common <laughs> disorder and not to be confused with like culturally possession and things like that like if it's part of your culture mm-hmm. to take on some of those things or the spirit of an ancestor, that's not dissociative identity disorder. That's something else. That's just you experiencing your culture to be diagnostic. It's going to be interfering with your life, uh, which it does for her. It's definitely fucking um, up her life. Yep. <laughs> um, you don't remember when another personality takes over. That's the dissociation part. The weird part for her is typically um, to my knowledge, uh, 
the kind of core personality, like the you, isn't typically aware of the other personalities. You just kind of wake up and you're like, I don't remember how I got here kind of thing. Um, and then this one she does, and they kind of explain it weird later. We'll get into that. But <laughs> that part isn't classic. But the brain's weird. So, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> for all it's I know. very true. It's very true. It does come on for her as part of a trauma. So that's, I believe, kind of accurate. And so all those things are fairly consistent. They just, they take a weird spin with it, which I'm okay with. I like when people take psychology and kind of try to push it or change it or kind of look at it a different way. So it's fair. Her world in this world, this type of thing exists and I'm okay with that. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that background. (laughs) Uh, before we kind of talk book, um, we wanted to give you a nice summary. And I, which all wants details, I like it being weird and dumb. So we have a shitty summary for you here. And I wrote it up, and I'm going to have Fuchel read it. Okay. Thank God you made this text bigger. <laughs> a foster teen runs away after her twin brother dies, searching for him in the waking world. She digs into his past and faces her childhood demons that come to life in the real world. One romance and spy game later, she finds out that she has become her brother and has telekinesis. <laughs> oh, all of that is true. All of yeah. that is true. Let's... I... <laughs> okay, let's... Let's start... Nice things. Okay. Book bits. Nice things first. Things I, that we liked or? Yes. We're starting with things because most of what I have is not nice things, unanswerable questions, and nitpicks. Okay. <laughs> so what nice I things. So things I liked. What do we like? So one of the first things I like is they actually put... Um, some of the puzzles that Jack gives her into the book. And so I quite enjoyed solving them. So there were some that you can actually like solve yourself. So my book has pieces of these puzzles that are filled in and I got like loose leaves and things like that. Like definitely like, mm-hmm. wrote mm-hmm. in my book because I am not opposed to that. I think I told someone recently, um, highlighting and writing in books is not defacing the book. It's enhanced reading. <laughs> oh, so and if it's my personal book, I won't do this to like a library book or something and borrow. Well, sure. But I have I've, to say, I think that was probably the intention. I hope so. I, I, I mean, honestly, I, mean, I cannot else? speak for her, but I feel like this would make the author very happy to know that. Yeah, definitely scribbled in my book and solved these pieces. I had to get some loose leaf for some of them because I was racing too much. <laughs> I needed to start over. Yeah, and it, it was very clear that Either she loves puzzles or I've done, I mean, I think she loves them either way, but did enough research on puzzles and the history of some of these puzzles and ciphers to lay them out very in a very cool way. And she described mm-hmm. them well. And we didn't like get repetitive either. Every puzzle was a new Was different. Puzzle, which and I like. And one was literal. Was literal. Puzzle. And I like, I like to see what people's passion, clearly she has a passion for like word games and things like that. And that. It's nice. That brought me back to the the substitution cipher. I used to sit in the Walgreens break room doing the, I can't 
can't remember what it was called in the newspaper. So <laughs> it was quite quite the throwback for me. Easy to read? Yes. I think that's always I think that's something we take for granted sometimes. And especially the older I get, I have much less patience for reading a book that I, I get stalled on. So even though there's a lot to this book that is kind of... <laughs> it, wasn't it was easy read. to read. And it would have been really quick if I didn't take the time to solve puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else nice to say. Imagine I didn't. If you wanted to do that. I mean, I like that quote there for but otherwise. I didn't have any quotes that I like. Okay. I'll pull mine out. <laughs> okay. Pull out your quote. So I'm going to read it. The quote itself, like, it wasn't like an, oh my God, that's so perfect. But I'll, I'll talk later. Okay. So they're talking about their childhood. From um, page 111, uh, she says... The name Freak, which cruel kids at our small school had labeled Noah, was extended to Jack and then me. They'd meant it to be hurtful, but we embraced it and wrapped ourselves in layers of friendship that built a protective force field around us. Noah was the first Freak, Jack was the second, and I became the third. And it's that middle part where she talks about uh, wrapping yourself in layers of friendship that built a protective force field that kind of like, I was like, yeah, that's how it happens, right? Mm -hmm. We find our, our weird buddies that are like us, mm -hmm. and we we bond with them, and, it, like, that socialized protection is, like, that's real. That's, mm -hmm. And I just like the way she worded it, that they wrap themselves in layers of friendship that built a protective force field. Yeah, that's 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 what it is. That's, that one, like, was real, like, yep. Mm -hmm. So that was my, that was the one quote that really, really stuck out to me. I think there was one point, so overall, I was not really impressed with the writing itself, but I think there was one point, <laughs> I don't even have the whole quote, let's see if I can find it, I think she was describing some clouds, let's see, I think it's like I wrote down clouds, not very helpful, but I did write down the page number, okay. so, yesterday's wind had given way to a strange calm, and the clouds hung above us like soggy wool. In a book where, again, I was not overly impressed with the writing, the descriptions, I was like, oh, that's a good description. Soggy wolf clouds, I like it. That uh, was a good description. So, a lot of nice things. Do you have any more nice things? That's makes sense. I mean, and I do like a twist ending, just in general. I'm always a fan of that. Mm -hmm. This one was... So, like, they're, they're, that's the nice bit. I like a twist ending, and she had one, so that was a plus in my book. The downside was... It was too many twists. And there was enough foreshadowing that, like, I, I guess to a certain degree debatable if we call it a twist. But, I mean, that generally happens in twist endings. You have to have something there to say it was yes. going to happen. For me, I would say twist endings are double-edged swords. When it's good, it's really good. And if you don't do it quite well enough, then I think it damages more than helps to have it there. And I think I would lean more towards the latter in this one. So we ended up finding out that she, her brother was real. She like assumed his personality after she died, creating this uh, spinoff of like dissociative identity disorder. And then along with all that, she has telekinesis. And to be clear, this book is 
350 some pages. This, all this, this twist, this reveal of the telekinetic powers is like in the last 20 pages. Yeah, it's like the last 10%. And we were talking about that yesterday. I was like, if this would have happened at like the two thirds mark and we kind of got to explore it a little bit. Because I like those, I like exploring those things. And the way that it happened, that was the another critique I had was, and again, I've never treated multiple personality disorder, dissociative identity disorder, but when I was learning and to my knowledge, they don't, like the goal is to integrate the personalities and kind of make yourself a whole person, but it doesn't happen like, oh, it just happened. It For her, it was just like, the, 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 the brother personality it was just like, it's time. It's time for you, like, let me go, which is, by the way, not integrating. <laughs> right. It, yeah. It, I, towards the end, I was actually, before we got into those last 10% of it, I, I was wondering if this was book one of something, because there right. was so much that wasn't addressed yet. I was like, this is going to end. And like, is there a book two? And that, that had been before I looked into the author. So I was like, oh, why doesn't this say book one? And that's how quickly it happens to kind of try and wrap all of this stuff up. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty jarring. When you think about that list of traumas and things <laughs> that are in this book, like you can add, I made a whole other list of just like, you know, there are chases, there's a ninja fight. There are multiple bombs that go off. There are burned corpses left in like Any one of these things could make for an entire book yeah. and they are all in this and there's kind of a supernatural vibe with the telekinetic powers oh god that i can't i still can't believe they actually threw that in there i think a lot of it says i always enjoy so like have you watched like haunting of hill house or the blind manor yeah oh yeah where yeah. it it plays with that is this real or are you crazy kind mm -hmm, of thing? Mm -hmm. And then she was just like all in. It's all real. And so I think that's part of why the extra twist kind of like went mm, because it gave me an answer, but it wasn't satisfying to me because it wasn't like, a, okay, this is because of her trauma or this, she really does have like superpowers. And then all of a sudden the superpowers are just like are gone. Just gone. So that's a whole other uh, issue I have. Cause that like, they threw that in. Just to take it away is very odd. That's weird to me. Which I is, don't think there should have been telekinetic powers at all. Right. It should have been. I was, like, when I was kind of going, okay, this is part of her dissociation. Like, the reason she doesn't remember it is because it's her, the other personality, her brother, doing these things, right? Mm -hmm. She doesn't remember getting to the room upstairs because her brother walked up there and she was dissociating yes. when it happened. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> That's what I thought was going on. Yeah. Once they revealed, I guess the major twist is the, um, you know, internalizing his personality. But or if we wanted to do it, like her, the other personality had telekinesis, so it's gone because he's gone. Would have been. A it should have been more... that it was interpreted as like you thought maybe it was telekinetic powers. It would have been cool if she thought she had she powers, like... but no, she was. Yeah. Yeah. She was doing something. That would have been fun. Or like if. You know, because it kind of functions in, as almost like a spy thriller sometimes with yeah. people chasing you and people are jumping off rooms and injuries and all kinds of crap are happening. And 
she always manages to escape or get away or even when she's having altercations with people who are maybe stronger than she is like coming out like okay maybe like you shifted to the brother for and like the brother maybe had a background and because Noah did had and like then figuring out later that that was the reason why that would have been much more satisfying than throwing in these powers that were there to just go away that was very odd (laughs) I found that strange and having all those different kind of things going on horror spy thriller I have no problem with there's the romance there's romance there it makes for a very I don't know if I call it romance but it's definitely a love story there's a love story the tone is very inconsistent the pacing is tough Speaking of pacing, the very newer flashbacks, and the further we got in, she changed how she kind of did them a little. Like at the beginning, mm-hmm. it was very when she's having like a straight up like describing something she remembered from her past. It was the alternate text, right? We did it in a different font, and then I noticed later it kind of became woven into the like regular text, and didn't always become a separate thing. And so that kind of transition was like little weird to me so I wasn't certain if there was a purpose to doing it one way or both ways yes it (laughs) when you think about it so editing this book I just I can't imagine with all of this stuff that is still stuffed into this book what did it look like before an editor even touched it I can't even imagine there was probably like 27 more things happening in it What's well, a Bloomsbury? Yeah, I would say just if we're talking about overall criticisms first, because like I said, I have nitpicky things that are coming, but overall criticism is I found the pacing pretty tough. It's got too much going on. Should have focused on one thing instead of all these different, because all those different genres that you're trying to fit in here have pretty distinct tones. So you're very... All over the place. You're jarred. You're jarred. It, Which made it interesting that it was still a quick read. Because usually when that happens for me, I go, oh my god. <laughs> and I stop a lot. Yeah. And since you have so much to write, I feel like there's maybe less time to focus on the prose itself. So the pro, I mean, it's very standard. It's very, a lot of telling, not showing. Because you probably don't have time. Because you're like, we need to cover these 12 plot points that I want to include and you just kind of have to go. So, mm-hmm. yes, that would be my overall criticism of it. It's just like, wow, you should have cut. So if a student came to you with this, you'd say, all right, honey, you need to do a little bit more showing, a little bit less mm-hmm. telling, and you need to, that explanation at the end needs to be. That needs to be woven in better yeah and we can't like retcon it at the end with telekinetic powers because then it makes it's the twist kind of falls apart i mean it doesn't fall apart but it's just like why why you really like character development yes and we didn't she didn't have that it wasn't like a coming to understand ourselves or figuring this out it was the brother did it for her Mm -hmm. the brother personality did it for her and the telekinetic was explained to her by someone else, and it was just like, here you go. And, Dropped it. Right. And since there's so much telling versus showing, 
you get to know the characters less. You don't feel, you don't grow with them. You're just told that they grow. You're told that this is him. And I get the sense that she thinks because she put all these flashbacks in and because there's all this trauma that necessarily makes a good written character. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. There, I do have to say like one of the things that I would have liked a little bit more um, is the the understanding and the reaction to I, I think they were supposed to be flashbacks. I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were like memories or if they were flashbacks for her um, to her childhood. But a little bit more of like that reaction afterwards if they were flashbacks. And I think that's why I was like, I'm not sure if these are because she didn't have anything like after like flashbacks are troubling mm-hmm. when when people experience them. Um those trauma reactions are bothersome to people. We don't tend to like them. They they hurt, they're distressing. We try to avoid them. Mm-hmm. That's usually how like, you know, other quote unquote bad habits, right, might develop for people is like trying to avoid experiencing right. these things. And at the same point, it's not uncommon for people with trauma to just have a very flat like mm, about it, because that's yeah. not a protective factor. Yes. So, I personally like to understand the reaction a little bit. Yes. I think, again, if she had taken out a couple of the these things going on, um, we could have had a, a much tighter, more well-written story. Um, this idea of finding out that the brother's not dead and you've internalized this person is actually a pretty good twist. It just wasn't... It's too close to the end to, to get there and there was too much going on to really appreciate that. That should have been more your end goal focus, like and everything else should have been <laughs> I don't know. There was just so much going on. But again, overall very easy to read. It's easy to read, so that's something. Mm-hmm. Like, I have lots of I'm they kind of overlap as far as I have lots of nitpicks and lots of unanswerable questions that maybe you can help me answer. Okay. Um, Which makes sense when you have a plot that's this messy and this going, this is what's going to happen. Yes. All right. So questions. All right. Questions. So at one point, so Noah and Jocelyn, there's all this crazy stuff happening too, because like I said, kind of like a spy thriller. People are trying to find Jack, and they work for this this company called Internet Security Inc. Very, I wrote down, this name's legit. (laughs) LOL, seems legit. (laughs) I was like, really? That's the best we could come up with? But again, people are chasing them. People are trying to kill her. And there's one point where the foster, other foster kids who lived in this home with them are also trying to kill her. Yeah. Why are they trying? Why are the foster kids trying to kill her? Well, I think most of them are following Georgie's lead. As to why Georgie's trying to kill her, I was getting a really like my poor explanation interpretation was like he's a bad guy and he held a grudge for some dumb reason. Like that's all I really got out of that. Okay. So at one point. So we have foster kids who are chasing Jocelyn, and then we also have people from this internet company because 
think it's even hard to like explain it. Jack, <laughs> there are passwords that like backdoor people into the software of this company that Jack somehow has. Because he tracked down the guy that stole them. Yes, so they were stolen and he got them back. And now the guy that the stole guy them is, is trying, is trying to, get to get them back from him. And also and the, the internet company, company wants them trying back. To get them back. So the guy who stole them initially actually murders Georgie. Yes. Puts the corpse in Noah's apartment. In his car or trunk or something. And then or sets the house all on fire. is on fire. Yeah. So Noah is kind of half blamed because he has a corpse in his house, but then his cop friend. Then all of a sudden, they're like allowed back into the house, even though I'm like, my question was like, isn't this like a crime scene? We have a corpse in a house. We can't just have people go back into their house until we look into what. I don't know uh, police protocol. <laughs> it just seemed. But to me, I think, I think they would be allowed in with a police escort to get some of their things if their things were retrieved. They did not have an escort at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So I don't know if that's a nitpick or an unanswerable question, but next unanswerable question. So after that happens at Noah's apartment or duplex, I can't remember what it is, they go to a house that is actually his mother's house and they're in the process house. of selling it. Another bomb is set off at this house <laughs> because this guy, I don't know. Again, so the idea is to get Jocelyn because they to assume her. that Jack told her where the password no. word is. Then why are they coming after her? If Jack stole them back, that means Jocelyn stole them back. He knows who she is and that she has them. Okay. so He doesn't understand okay. that she doesn't All remember. Right. So, so to his knowledge, like you physically took this from okay. me. What do you mean? I'm you don't with know you. What I'm, I'm with about. you. I'm with you. Then I have two questions about this bomb going off. The second bomb. One, if you need her, because she said, "Why are you setting up a bomb in a house that she's in? That's gonna kill her. You need her." Yes. Number two, the way that situation goes down is Jocelyn gets a phone call. From Jack, so I don't know if she's talking, she must just be talking to herself at this point. Yep. Jack tells her there's a, to get out of the house. How does Jack know there's a bomb in the house? Well, she's dissociating. Jack would have probably maybe witnessed him place it and say, give it to me or I blow you up or something. I don't know. I don't know. They never said that. So I was like, how did, how did Jack know about My, the bomb? I'm guessing that's why the knife was there too, is that Jack had taken over and maybe fought this guy or something. Okay. So he probably witnessed the bomb being set and fought him away. And when she took over, because she whatever woke up or something, and he's like, you can't get out of there, damn it. Like, I was trying Again, to get out of the yeah. house, and you're, you're <laughs> fucking this up. Again, why leave a bomb in the first place? We need this person. Right. Um, I know bombs are exciting, but... I don't know. Yeah. As far as, so we end up finding out that, because these passwords are saved on like a USB. Or something like that. Or a flash drive. I don't know. It was something that they stuck into a laptop, so it would have to be. Cause right. When she, but I think they have like, you know, probably like really tiny. Because I'm picturing like. Yeah, but it's 2012. 
2012. They still get really tiny back then. I don't know. If it's just passwords, you don't need a lot of memory. I have no idea. I guess I, I have no idea how that works. Um, so it's like inside their body. So Jack put it in okay. their body okay. under their skin and then got a tattooed fantastical X put over it. And so I guess when it comes to the multiple personalities, so can you disassociate so much that oh, yeah. you wouldn't see your own tattoo anymore? I think so. Okay. That'd be, I mean, that's in the hallucination and I mean, part of it, but yeah, I think so. So the idea is he cut himself open, stuck this USB in himself and sewed himself up, then went to a tattoo parlor, asked for the tattoo... Gave and... him a picture, gave her the picture, and I was like, hold on to this. Okay, I'm just trying to understand exactly yeah. how it went down. I mean, but do you hear the ridiculousness of oh, yeah. that I've just said? No, that definitely, okay. like... I'm with you. So, next question. As far as... Because eventually Jocelyn reads a letter from Jack. So Jack has written this letter to her. Is I guess I'm trying to figure out how this internalizing personality works. How can in my brain, in her world, she has to some degree actually taken on his like spirit? Okay, maybe and that's, that's how I'm the... explaining it to myself. That's the supernatural part of it. Is it okay. wasn't just a dissociative identity disorder? She kind of okay. has his like spirit there because they're twins. Okay, maybe and that's, that's how like I reconcile that I did it. Really. Because at the end, when they're trying to give it this "quote unquote" actual legitimate yeah. scientific explanation, I'm like, okay, so if in this letter it reveals, that, oh no, it's been in love with you since you were kids, if she had no inkling of that, how could she possibly? Like, I understand knowing a person well enough to act like them, get some of their personality, but she can't have knowledge that, right only Jack had. And then when you assume someone's personality, you don't necessarily get all of their knowledge. Yeah. And like, assuming someone's personality, like to my knowledge in our world, like that doesn't happen. Uh, right. You can develop your own, right. Other personality that maybe is based off of someone you knew, perhaps. I don't know. Again, I don't see it a lot ever. So yeah. my, my, my knowledge there is pretty limited. I'm yeah. not going to say I know more than I do. Which is pretty limited when it comes to associative identity. It's more theory than anything for me. Yeah. So that whole just concept kind of brought up a lot of questions. Um, so at the end, she moves to Prince Edward's Island because she's in love with Anne of Green Gables. It's sure. Which is fun. No, I get that. I want to go there too because I love Anne of Green Gables. It's interesting because she mentions the books. And she mentions the author, but can't, like, say Anne of Green Gables. So I'm just wondering if there's, like, a reason, like, a legal reason. Okay, you could say, uh, oh, God, I know her last name's Montgomery. I'm blanking on the, the author's first name. of it. But they mention the author, like, oh, this person's books, like, six or seven times. But for some reason can't say Anne of Green Gables. I don't know, because I've seen authors drop other books and author names in their writing all the time. Like, right. Stephen King exactly. Exactly. So I just like I feel like Anne of Green Gables is much more well known than just the author's name. So I feel like you would have said that 
It just seemed interesting to me. Yeah. Another unanswerable question. Uh, or at least do, like, switch off, because she does mention it several times. Yeah. Like, maybe you mentioned the book the first time and then the author yeah. later on. But I don't know, that was sure. interesting. I don't know. <laughs> Next question. I have lots of questions. This oh is a really God. small one. This is a really small right, one, but it, like, stood out to me. Very confusing. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You can do it. I believe in you. This just seemed like a very strange call out for McDonald's. They stop at a McDonald's. A lot. Because, which is fine. Sometimes, you know, in books they do. They mention Starbucks. I don't have a problem with them mentioning McDonald's. But, so this is Jocelyn and Noah. We decided to stop at McDonald's since we knew their public restroom would be clean. I think it was like that particular McDonald's in my brain. Okay. Which is... I am as not a saying... teen, you tend to spend more time in public facilities, and as a runaway, that was probably something that okay. I would imagine you would assess pretty quickly when you go into public places, is, is this a place where I could, like, clean okay. myself up? Is this a place where I could? It just seemed like a bit... I am not saying there have been certain McDonald's bathrooms that have been immaculate. There are yeah. ones that have been not so. In my it brain, just... it was that particular McDonald's okay. that they knew. That they knew was okay. okay. And well, probably because they were runaways... I would not be surprised if that is something that you regularly assess when you go into a public place. Is, is this a place where I could clean up? Is this a place where I would feel comfortable spending okay. a little time? Do the people here notice that I'm here? Would they let me sit for hours if I needed to? Yes. Okay. I will accept that. Okay. okay. And then my last two, they're nitpicks. These are nitpicks. Number one, we talked about this before. There are tons of commas in this book. <laughs> Did you start writing them? I did. I did. There was one page where I had like five or six. Enhanced um, reading. <laughs> I'm, again, this person has three published books. It was not atrocious. I'm usually, I usually let grammar go in books because it's just, it's not fun to like edit a book writing. that you're reading. Which is interesting because at no point did I say I'm missing commas. Like you told me about that. And at no point mm -hmm. was I... Did I have trouble reading, or did anything stick out to me with a missing comma? There are a lot of them. Um, I also granted, know from your editing that I tend to not put in a lot of commas. You myself. don't put a lot of commas. So, it worked for me. To the credit of the editor, I guess. I mean, they were all pretty much the same. We talked about introductory clauses. That's what 90% of them were just missing. Maybe the editor didn't know that rule, or... You don't know. I'm thinking right here that I did not have a, a comma where I probably right. need a foster teen runs away after a twin mother dies, comma. That's a good example. They yep. would have left that comma off. Uh, which, <laughs> Very fitting. <laughs> there you go. And so these were, they were so often that it was bothersome. It was, it made it for a tough, I had to stop. And be like, Perfect. Okay. So it was pretty blatant. Again, very consistently done. Sometimes they would get one right, and I was like, "Yes, you yes!" Did it. it would be like, if I, like it felt like a teacher again. Be like, "Yes, this you did it right. Do that all the time." But so that's a nitpick. <laughs> My final nitpick. This is a geek out huge, like okay. stupid. It's a Star Wars thing. Oh, um, yeah. So they talk I was about wondering Star Wars about a lot. Felt about their Star Wars references. It's fine. Um, as far as the references themselves, they talk about that. They talk about Indiana Jones, which are two movies that I rewatched a lot as a kid, so I kind of bonded a little bit with that. I get 
How old would we have been in 2012? Were we even high school? Nope. Out. We, in high school, we graduated in 2006 from high school. Jesus we would have been out of college in 2012. I just know that one of my graduation dates is 2011. If you asked me which one, <laughs> I couldn't tell you if it was middle school, high school, or college. Um, so. So, overall, all the Star Wars references are fine. Whatever. They're just thrown in there. There's one point, and I remember people did used to do this. I can't remember if it was in college or on, like, Star Wars Day. It's like a game where you just try to use quotes from the original trilogy. And they're talking about that because I guess they play that game, too. And they quote something and they get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like... I mean, this is really nitpicky, and only, like, dumb people like me are going to know this, but... But if you're going to quote something and say you're quoting something and say you're doing it accurately because he's such a nerd, then maybe quote it, right? Or quote something that you know better. So they're talking about the contest. Uh, This is Jocelyn talking to Noah. You were doing great, except I think you got in trouble with Mr. Frong, talking about a teacher they were doing at school, um, for saying, will someone get this walking carpet out of my way? Almost the correct quote. What is the correct quote? They're missing big. The word big. Will someone get this big walking carpet out of my way? So extremely nitpicky. Yes, but you would have lost the contest. That wouldn't count. And so if he was actually with another nerd, she wouldn't have been like, you got it. I remember it was awesome. The other nerd would have said, nope. And it's like, again, if you're going to quote Star Wars, and even if you know it really well, I would have looked it up to make sure I got it exactly right. Yeah. Sorry. Right. I get it. Yeah. Any other questions? No. Okay. That was everything. Well. <laughs> but that was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. A lot, a lot. Which brings us to, uh, this is what we changed the, the rolling to, the recommendations. Oh! Oh, who is forget to? Oh, wait, no. Dice, dice, dice. I'm going to stop it. Dice. All right. I feel like we should remind them. It is a new season. So so what all the numbers are. So we're doing rolling recommendations. uh, Six-sided dice. Uh, If we get a one, we're going to rate it on emojis. Give you like, you know, zero to five and the type of emoji we like. Two is where it's going to go on your shelf because that is important. Uh, Three, straight up star recommendations. Like, I don't know how many five stars. Uh, four, who would you recommend it to? Like, of our friends who we know that we would say, like, yep. Uh, five, uh, like, if you like the cover, would you like the book kind of recommendation? And six, a straight up, like, if you like this book, like our book today. Okay. Let's get a roll. Here we go. Five, can you judge it off the cover? If you like the cover, would you like the book? Hmm. So we both <laughs> I pull out and look at the cover. Don't think so, because again, when I picked this up, I thought it was going to be a horror yeah. book, which it is not. I would not classify it as such. More on the thriller. So if you yeah, if you if you come in going and want a horror, quality wise though. I'd say it's accurate. <laughs> That's probably true. Once you get the general vibe of the book, quality-wise, I would agree that that yeah. is true. So half and half. 
if you if you're intrigued by the cover and that's it's like vibing for you you'll probably like the book but be disappointed that it doesn't quite match up to the spook factor hmm. yes i agree i think okay. that sums it up very well cool so next up we're gonna have some food fun uh katie and i are gonna go get set up i will insert transitionary music here amazing <laughs> which sunday podcast magic someday i'm hoping to record something on the uke get along. yeah we'll get there all right we'll see you back in a split second we're back yum okay so welcome back we're in our kitchen and we're Yay. moving on to our food segment <laughs> so we're hoping to get this a little bit more clear because i know sometimes we go through it and it's just like ah um so we're gonna start by telling you why we chose this and like what the hell it is because and what it is right because when we say suffering spheres that sounds really 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 bad right (laughs) so concept production um i want to make our food like an artist's interpretation of the book so kind of a little transition from our critique of the book and going more to an art like an interpretation of it and drama is a major major part of this book so when i was talking to patrell and i was like what does trauma taste like? What does trauma taste like? And the first two things that came to my mind were cold and salty. <laughs> salty because we were thinking, you, you said sweat? Yeah. Just, I don't know, maybe you're having a nightmare, maybe you're just anxious and you're bleh, and then I was like, oh, tears are salty too. Yeah, tears so. are salty. And in general, I picture it like cold and stale and for some reason this has a lot to do with childhood trauma, so mac and cheese came up too, just like a staple for like me and my friends when we were kids was like mac and cheese it was easy you learned how to maybe make it as a kid if you needed to like provide for yourself and weren't taken care of like especially for a big group of kids right easy thing to make and going off the cold thing i feel like most of the imagery it's usually gray and dark and i feel snow was mentioned several times there's very little sunshine and things like that so cold really does fit with the aesthetic so we decided to do a like day after mac and cheese ball um, because another thing Patrell came up with is bugles because they're like empty. <laughs> so theoretically, when we make these, so when you make when you stuff a dough with cheese, usually that cheese kind of gets absorbed and there's like empty spaces. So theoretically, when we are done with this, we are going to we'll try it fresh too. We're gonna have <laughs> mac and cheese balls. So uh, a dough stuffed mac and cheese that should be slightly empty. It should taste kind of salty. And when it's fresh and warm, you know, we might get some good childhood memories. But for this book, meant to be eaten next day, cold out of the fridge, not reheated. Um, that kind of like I'm eating alone, <laughs> leftover breakfast kind of, <laughs> kind of is how I, I taste trauma in my mouth. <laughs> it kind of landed on bugles too for the empty thing and also because when i was speculating we were talking about childhood things about things that we ate then that i don't eat anymore i can't remember the last time i had a bugle and it's kind of like the book where it was fine just like you could eat a whole bag of bugles and it would go down easy are you really enjoying it maybe not quite so much maybe not quite so much yeah so we'll go over uh what we got here to make this uh, tools wise, I have 
some mixing utensils, a large bowl, a large pot, and a medium-sized pot. And ingredients-wise, we have uh, seasonings, salt, pepper, parsley, garlic, and onion, powders, everything. We have elbow macaroni, classic. I go with the chickpea macaroni just because I I like a variety in my in my fibers. Then um, we also have straight up uh, flour, baking soda, some mm -hmm. Parmesan cheese, um, and that'll be for making the dough. And then for the cream part, we have some butter, sour cream, cheddar cheese, and we'll also be using a little bit of flour in there too because we gotta make a roux first and hopefully remembered everything. We also have, for when we're actually baking these up, I'm, to make them easier because they're balls and they won't roll around, I'm using uh, <laughs> uh, what's that called? A muffin tin? Muffin tin. And uh, we got some Pam spray because I don't like when things stick. I you know. it, and I appreciate doing it in the tin too because you know how I feel about messes. Mm -hmm. This will help with the mess factor. And you never know. If we don't make these 100%, like they might just, you know, burst out of their seams and things like that. Which would be very poetic because the book is bursting at the seams with things. It is. <laughs> Alright, so to get us started, I got my medium pan filled with water and on high. So I got the medium <coughs> pot filled with water, turned up high, put a little salt in it. We want to get that to a nice rapid boil and we're going to start preheating the oven too. Uh, since I've never made these before, we're going with my standard 350. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So we can get that nice and done. Salty water. I try not to salt too much when I use chickpea pasta because I notice it absorbs. That's interesting. Like, I wonder why that is. Like it's, or I just really overdid on the salt one day, but I was like, mm, interesting. <laughs> I've never had this problem with regular old like Power pasta. Power pasta. Right? Fascinating. So there's there's that. So we got that going. And then in my very large pot, right? That pot that you're like, what do I ever use that for when I cook alone? Yes, that is exactly what I think. It is a big, it is a big mess. So this is gonna be used to make the roux, which is why we like that large bottom that helps with browning the butter and the flour. And then on top of that, we're going to add in the cream stuff to make the sauce. And then it'll also give us some nice space to mix everything together when we're ready. And I'll be honest, I kind of know because I watch enough cooking shows. But just in case anybody out there doesn't know, why don't you break down what a roux is? Yeah. So when it comes to it, it's basically brown butter and flour that you then add all liquid too. Um, it's often the basis of a lot of sauces like gravies or cream sauces um, because it helps with the thickening mm -hmm. and the point to my science understanding is that mm -hmm. the flour soaks up the butter um, which helps it like maintain the stability somehow when you add the water. Oh, okay. There's some science behind it that you know our ancestors figured out and like Every single content. I don't know. I feel. I think roux are like universal. I think everyone came to figure those out. That'd be interesting to research. Yeah. Oh, how roux became a yeah. So we're gonna start browning the butter first. So that means letting it melt. And I am using a half a stick of butter, uh, American stick of butter. Uh, I know it's different sizes. I think so. I think it is. Too. I think in Europe it's just like a pound. 
So we're not using a half a pound of butter, we're using a half of an American stick of butter. Half of a stick and... It is unsalted, if anybody wants to know. This yeah. particular butter is unsalted. So we're going to melt that up. And then once it's melted, I'm going to add flour. And then we add in a little bit of water. Is there any part of this recipe that you're worried about? Or do we think we can 100% pull this off? Or is there any part that... Oh, making the actual balls is going to be a okay. lot of trouble. So I went through a million iterations in my head because there's, I don't know how many ways you can make these. Like, you can literally, yeah. um, you can freeze your mac and cheese and then coat it and then, like, deep fry it. I decided mm. to go with a bit more of a, like, dough. So I'm going to definitely have to, like, knead my dough pretty well so that it has that elasticity so it doesn't, like, burst out, um, which can be a problem. So if you undercook your noodles, you can puncture through the dough a lot easier. Oh. I've had that, like, when I make ravioli, if I don't knead the dough well enough and I don't grind my ingredients well enough, they're just, like, poke out and just burst everywhere and then you just have like some weird water left over when you're boiling the ravioli so yeah uh the the the, the final assembly and putting it in is what i'm worried about okay the individual ingredients i think will be right i feel like all of these are pretty right safe it'd be tougher to taste bad right <laughs> well i'm doing that i'm going to direct you on starting the dough okay Let's just start with a cup of flour. Okay. And this particular time, it's just, ooh, wow. Mm -hmm. It was just classic white alternate flour. I know there's 8 billion types of flowers out there. This is, this is what I happen to have. That's what I usually do. Like, measuring a cup, I have to do quarters. Because yep. It's, small <laughs> it's just opening. two. Three. And here comes number four. While she's doing that, I'm going to be cutting up like a half a block of cheddar cheese. Just crumbling it to make it easier to. Hmm. I don't even know what the correct answer to this question is for me. What is your favorite kind of cheese? Cheddar. Cheddar? Definitely cheddar? Cheddar, all the way, like the super like 12 year age, like very, very sharp. Very sharp. Cheddar. Hmm. I mean, cheddar is very good. I would love to try. I don't think I have. Like, so technically what we have here in Wisconsin isn't Cheddar, like cheeses are actually they're like wines, right? Like they're really specific to the region. Sure. So the or like the original like cheddar would have the bacteria and stuff. Oh, I think there's like a place called Cheddar where cheddar is. Oh, like that's where it gets it. Percy, stop licking my feet. <laughs> you get for dropping something on the floor. So yeah, not quite. So it's like it's like champagne. Like I think real so. champagne has to come from region in France, That's otherwise it's technically not champagne. So our cheddar is, I think, so I, when I talk cheddar, I do mean like Wisconsin cheddar, which I don't know how close that is to OG cheddar. Now you're going to add a little bit of water. Smooth it. How much water? Like what they, they grizzle, a little bit. Drizzle. 
grizzle and mix until it starts to come together. We should have something in there. Is there like a small a wooden spoon? Like I actually don't have any wooden utensils. I have that should work really. Whoops, that was a little bit. Oh. I'm gonna add literally a handful of flour to my brew here now that the butter is melted. And I stir until it soaks it in, and if it still seems to have a little room left that has more flour, then I'll add more. You said keep going until when? Until it comes together. Okay. I know. It's going to take a while. Just keep going until you feel like you got like a dough. Okay. Okay, it's starting to clump. Okay. I did not add any rising agent because I don't necessarily want these to poof in the oven. I want them to like kind of brown. Well, I mean, technically, I, don't I didn't add a leavening agent. Oh, is it a leavening agent? I think so. I didn't add yeast. I don't want like just a little bit that it's like fluffy, but not like rising like dough. Which is good because I don't think I have yeast. So my flour is like nice and absorbed into the butter. We're going for a more, I think there's like different kinds of roux, so we're going oh. for a little light here. Um, to my knowledge, when you're doing cheesy ones, you don't really want it like super brown, but like if you were doing a gravy, you want like a really nice brown, like dark roux, and that just is time. So in general, roux you want to kind of slowly and keep stirring until they're what you're looking for. More water? Yep. And go ahead and add a pinch of salt as you're mixing. Okay. I love smell brew. It's just so like it's that nutty butter kind of smell. Mm. Okay. That burner is starting to come to a boil, so I can add my pasta in. Flowers come to a boil. Flowers come to a boil. The water has come to a boil. I don't know what happened if you try to boil flour. Nothing good. And there's a part of me that wants to throw this all in there, but we're just gonna do like two servings worth of pasta because maybe you know, I'll just go overboard and you'll have like a month's worth of these left over. <laughs> I don't think you want that. Let's go ahead and follow the directions. Nope. On your on your macaroni, whatever it says. More flour, more water. More flour. Start like kneading it. You might have to keep adding as you need it. I usually need like first with that in there until it starts to like not quite be sticky. And that's when I take it out and sprinkle it in. I lied, I didn't have all the ingredients. Veggie broth adds flavor and is the in between part. So finishing the roux, you slowly add some of your vegetable broth, it'll thicken up right away. Stirring as it absorbs until it becomes a liquid again. And that's when you have your roux. But if you don't have this, you can also do straight up cream, um, or even just water is fine, it just doesn't have flavor with it. Kind of need. Yep. So, how would you describe this consistency? Hmm. Almost like. It's probably. 
funny that I can't think of it. Almost like pudding. Yeah. Like the pudding that comes out of like the box. <laughs> like a jello pudding. So here's where I'm going to start adding my seasoning. I'm going to say probably about a tablespoon of all the flavors and then a teaspoon of salt. How, what would you recommend for, is this too sticky? Should I put more? Yeah, so I usually so sprinkle on top too. Okay. And then have I ever taught you how to eat? Uh, I feel like you have, but I don't remember. And it would be a good tip, again, for people, so. So you start with it kind of in a ball. Make sure your hands are nice and floured up so they're not sticking to me. Sticking it is sticking to me. And you'll probably have to keep adding flour as you go, because um, it'll kind of absorb it into the moisture. Okay. So I kind of have a ball. And then you put the ball down. Okay. You take your palms and okay. you press in and you make together two palms. Oh. Okay. And you'll make a Donald Duck. So, I don't know what that means. What do you mean? So you got it. So you got his beak and his ah! <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my god. And then you fold it back over. Okay. And twist it. And you keep doing that over and over. Okay. So Donald Duck, fold, twist, like 45 oh. degrees, right? Oh, okay. And you keep doing it over and over, adding flour if you feel that's sick. That's hilarious. I don't know where the Donald Duck came from. If that's like something like people like learn, or if that's just something like I learned, I don't know. It does look like it. I'll give you that. And that's how I have always remembered it. So whoever taught me, I don't know who taught me that. that I'm assuming that was maybe my grandma. I don't know. Alright, and now I'm adding like a cup of sour cream to our roux. Actually, no, we're doing the whole thing. So one pound of sour cream to roux. And where it's gonna kinda melt and mix. And then once that's nice and good, it's gonna get a little more liquidy. And then I'm gonna add a half a block of cheddar cheese that I've kind of chopped up into little pieces. Yeah, I have noticed that with chickpea, and maybe you know why chickpea pasta seems to like froth the boiling water more. I don't know. Um, where regular pasta, I mean, sometimes they can get high, but I feel like you don't usually get that coating of froth at the top. Right? So I'm not sure what part of the chickpea pasta is responsible for that. Now I'm going to add my half a block of cheddar, and I have this on like medium, medium low, because we just want it to slowly melt and incorporate stirring as we go and you can adjust the thickness however you want I'm going for pretty thick which is why we did the pudding consistency for our roux you can keep adding liquid to your roux until it's like a gravy too um and I'm not sure at what point it's no longer a roux I was gonna that was gonna be my next question like I know like I'm assuming if you put cheese in it it's not a is it a, still a roux then but I don't know if it stops when you add the water like if the roux is just the flour and butter, or if the roux is a little bit of liquid too. I'm not sure, honestly. So now you got a good consistency there, right? It's not sticking, but it's just like a little bit. There's like a tiny little bit sticking, yeah. but not. And you're just gonna keep going until you can like pull it and it doesn't like come apart and you can get like really thin. And whatever leftover mac we have from making those, you just get to have this. But the keep mixing, yes, our cheese sauce until it's nice and melty. And then just keep it warm and keep kneading your dough until it has that right consistency where you pull it apart and it kind of gets sheer and like has that elasticity. If you're a visual person, go ahead and look up like that visual. Like I like to, that's how I test it. But it can also be like, you know, like if you're like more by feel, 
it'll kind of like silly putty kind of like it'll kind of pull and thin mm, okay kind of not like play-doh where it just kind of like comes apart and we're gonna we'll be back once we get there it'll take a while <laughs> okay so we all needed another dough and our mac and cheese finish so i strained that and added that into our cheese sauce, mix that up good. Put it just on low um, while we were finishing kneading. And we divided up our dough into eight as equal as I can make it segments. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have, you know, you don't have to, but if you're one of those people you want to weigh out and make it precise, go ahead, go for it. Um, so I have eight dough balls ready to go. My oven's preheated. We got the mac in the cheese. <laughs> and I have sprayed our muffin tin with some oil, or if you have a non-stick, lucky you, you don't have to spritz it all. Woo! Okay. And so we're going to take our dough balls, and we're going to flatten them. You can do this however you want. Uh, you can roll it out, you can slowly stretch it. I want one. <laughs> and then this is where the tough part will come. So once it's kind of flattened, you're going to cup it in your hand um, as best you can. It's gonna. It, you're, you're making a dough cup here. Dough cup. Dough cup. And then we're gonna spoon in some of the mac, and then we'll close it just like it's like a dumpling. And you're gonna seal the top. You can go ahead and get as fancy as you want. If you are skilled in sealing dumplings and you want to make these pretty, go for it. Ours are just gonna be a nice little press and twist kind of deal, <laughs> and thick enough that right we're not gonna break the walls, but thin enough that we have enough that we can stretch it around the top of the mat ball. I'm going to go ahead and add, I'm just using a little like teaspoon to get, you're going to get two scoops to be able to close it. And just kind of stretch those corners, kind of meet in the middle. I think I overfilled mine like quite a bit. <laughs> oh well, it's just like the book. And then we're going to, it's all over the place. We'll place it in our tin. And repeat a few times. Yours is so pretty. Mine is squishing out everywhere. Oh well. So we're gonna fill these up. We're gonna end up with eight of them and then I'll stick them in the oven uh, probably about 20 to 30 minutes and then we'll be back and we'll taste test. Okay so they cooked for a half an hour. They, we did it till they were just starting to get nice and golden brown. Uh, none of them really stuck together. That's more on our not skillfulness in closing them then I think a problem with the actual it's true recipe. I also kind of overfilled mine <laughs> and it was one of those things where I thought you know you do it once we're like okay I'll do better next time that I somehow did it like three times so that's okay the filling we taste tested the filling before it the filling's really good so an overfilled one so what yeah so let it uh, put a little butter wash on it when it came out Sprinkled it with some salt to get that salt we were talking about, a little bit of extra salt punch. Let it cool off, and now we're going to try it. <laughs> Let's dive in. This pepperoni is good. You like a little crunch, a little, a little bit of a crunch, but not too I much. We probably could have eaten these with our fingers. We probably could have. It's actually hard to cut it with, with a fork. I like that. Hmm. That tastes pretty good. As far as concept goes, very fitting because, like, I want to keep eating it just like I want to keep reading the book. 
Is it that good? No, but it's it's good. It's fine. I'm gonna eat the whole thing. It's like I read the whole book. I definitely got those empty spaces we were talking about where it kind of puffs around. Mm-hmm. Some of those. All right. Are we gonna? Yep, we're gonna chill one. Oh yeah, yeah. Make one cold. That's right. And we'll try one cold. All right. Oh, the test. Our, our vision of it being cold. <laughs> the cold, cold, leftover. Salty. Salty. <laughs> All right, here we go. Almost like a bar cold. Really? Oh, I think it's worse cold. Worse cold. Does it remind you of childhood drama? No. <laughs> it reminds me of childhood though. In general, I would say. Right. So we hit something. Mm-hmm. All right. So next time. Mm-hmm. Next time we're gonna be discussing Verity by Colleen Hoover. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Season one episode or season three episode <laughs> one. Woohoo! Yeah. One for the books. Woohoo! Check. You ready, Percy? Ready? You sign off with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we are, are the book bunch, bunch, and we, we did brunch. <laughs>